principles for a healthy marriage. And the reason for this study is because marriage for most people will be your longest, most important human relationship. It's going to have uh, the most impact uh, on your life. And the truth is, is that your marriage has the potential to be the source of your greatest joy, your greatest happiness, uh, your uh, greatest satisfaction in all of your life, or it could be uh, the exact opposite. But the only way for a marriage to be a blessing to you is if it is healthy. Uh, people often use interesting words when describing a marriage. They have a good marriage or a strong marriage. Uh, but I think these are not necessarily appropriate identifiers. Healthy is the term we're looking for. You need a healthy marriage. That means it functions in the appropriate way. So the Bible speaks much about marriage. We are in this series looking at eight different principles that will help us build healthy marriages. This morning, I want to talk about resolving conflict. Resolving conflict is crucial for marriage health. You can have almost every other thing right, but if you don't get this one right, it's going to hurt you. In fact, the inability to resolve conflict appropriately can take a very happy marriage and turn it into a nightmare in very uh, quick order. So let's go ahead and get our first scripture, 2 Samuel 6, verses 20 to 23. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me rule over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore Michael, the, son of, the daughter of Saul, no children to the day of her death, had no children to the day of her death. Okay, so let's talk first about conflict realities. <clears throat> the marriage relationship is unique in its ability to create conflict, right? Think about this in a very practical way. Number one, this is the closest you will ever be to someone. True closeness and vulnerability actually uh, can create opportunities for conflict. It opens things up. We are exposing our vulnerabilities and our insecurities, right? Uh, in a marriage, you know, in a normal pattern, you will woo someone or you, you lure them in. Essentially, you trick them into marrying you, right? And hopefully the, the tricks are not all based in pernicious lies. But listen, let's be honest. You don't always smell that good, right? So we, we woo them by our strengths or by our positives, but marriage is actually about working through your negatives and your weaknesses. The only way you survive is by processing all of those uh, difficult things in you. Marriage is going to expose these things. They're going to see your flaws in a raw in a very close way 
and, and so naturally these things will create conflict. The, the things inside of you that are not pleasant, that will be exposed in marriage, they can create conflict. Number two, this is the most you will ever depend on someone. You are going to need their help and their encouragement, their assistance, their support, right? In the traditional marriage vows, we often say something like in sickness and in health, but that means literally like, I literally need your help. There are times when you're going to have to physically assist me in good times and in bad. So, in a healthy marriage, you are going to depend on someone more than any other person. You depend on your spouse more than your boss, more than your parents, more than any other person you'll ever have relationship with. So, this can be literal. We have financial dependence. We depend on our spouses, whether they are the one earning the money or we're depending on them not to waste the money, but there is a dependence there. We are emotionally dependent. In a healthy marriage, you should desire or even crave the love and approval of your spouse. One of the, the deadly things about the modern uh, curse of feminism is they've taught women you shouldn't want that. You shouldn't want or need approval, but that's wrong. That's how God created you. God created you to find someone whose approval you need, whose love you need. And that is why the strong, independent woman will always struggle in marriage. It doesn't work well. And so that's not part of my Bible study, but that's for free. So this is just to make sure you're awake and paying attention. So, but we have dependence there. Spiritually, we are dependent. We also are going to be with our spouse at their very worst, right? Think about this. When you go to see your friends, in some measure or another, you always get ready, don't you, right? If, if you're a girl, when you go to see your friends, you get dressed, right? You do your hair, right? You get ready to see them. So they see that version of you, even your closest friends, right? When you go to work, you get ready, to go to work or to church, but you don't get ready to see your husband or your wife. You're just there, right? When you roll over in the morning with dragon breath, right? You spot that the pillow catches on fire from that stench coming out of your face. Your spouse is right there. They're going to see you at your worst. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talking about anyone in particular, but I'm talking about everybody, right? The very worst a person will be, their spouse will know, your worst attitudes, your worst mindsets. They're going to know these things, their selfishness. You, you are not able to wear masks long-term in marriage. The mask you wear when you're dating, right? And I did that whole series trying to help us see behind that. But when you get married, the mask comes off. And so you're going to be with this person at your worst and their worst. And then, of course, God loves marriage. So that means the enemy will attack him. Listen, Satan despises healthy marriages. He will do anything he can to tear them down. From the, from the garden, we see that. The enemy working to drive a wedge between a man and a wife. And so he's working his way in between you to try to separate you. So here is this incredible capacity 
for conflict. All of these things will create conflict. Listen, these are not signs that you shouldn't be married. These are just signs that you are married. Some people think, well, we had a fight. That must mean, no, that just means that you're married. Get over it, right? If there's conflict, that's, that is normal. It is humans that are flawed, not marriage. So much conflict then, of course, is based upon the past. You see a common denominator in marriages that are in present crisis, and that is there is often an unhealthy focus on the past or what has gone before. 2 Samuel 6, verse 16. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael Saul's daughter looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So think about this for a minute. She's married to the king. That's a, that's, that's a pretty good deal, right? Ladies, come on now. He, and, uh, you know, he was like the legitimate king, right? He would be a billionaire in, in today's economy. And she's, so she's the queen, right? And, and so she has all of these things going on. Now, this is a really good day. The ark of God is the one thing that if it comes into the city, her husband gets to stay the king. If you read the history of the kings of Israel, the ark being there, this is as good as it gets. That means her life is going to get better. David's celebrating. And it says, and she despised him in her heart. Why on earth would she be despising him? Listen, she doesn't despise him because he's the king. She is not despising him because he was dancing, which is what it kind of seems like. She, like. She's like so embarrassed. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you let people see you do that. That's not it at all. Remember who she is. Michael or McCall or how, whatever her name actually. I mean, it sounds weird calling her Michael, right? Whatever, right? We'll call her Tiffany, I don't know. <laughs> who was she really? She was Saul's daughter. Saul, the one that God rejected in order to make David king. So she had been given to David, right? They were married when her dad was still king. She was the princess. Daddy was king. Everything was good. But then one day, God made up his mind for whatever, for Saul's various failings, that he was going to remove Saul and make David king. So now there's this old issue and that is why they have a present conflict. Listen, this is very common. Marriages that are in crisis today, it's because of an old conflict that they didn't deal with properly. This can be past hurts that haven't been healed. Exodus 4, verse 25. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. This is kind of a long story, but, but I'll uh, concatenate it here. It's just, essentially, this is something that Moses should have taken care of a long time ago, and he didn't, and she's mad about it. So, there are old hurts that have not uh, properly been healed. Every one of us, every single one of us here, there are past hurts in your life. There's issues that have gone violation or hurts that if you haven't dealt with them properly... It's possible they can create conflict in your marriage. These might, uh, of course, have been from your spouse, but very often they're not. They have nothing to do with your spouse. They're personal. Something that happened in your life, but it's baggage now you're carrying from your past, and your personal trauma can rear its ugly head in your marriage. 
And if you haven't allowed God to heal you, it is very likely these things are going to cause trouble or conflict in your marriage. Your spouse can inadvertently trigger those things, can step on something that creates a conflict. And then, of course, there can be past, past disappointments or letdowns. This woman, Michael, she is nursing an old issue, not from David, but from what she perceived as an injury to herself. Some people allow their personal frustrations to play out in their marriage. Listen, that is wrong and that is wicked. Your marriage is designed to help you with your issues, right? When my mother died, again, when my father died, my marriage was where I went for help, right? My wife comforted me. We were stronger together because of that. But a lot of people, they allow these things to uh, come in and create conflict in their marriage. Maybe old disappointments about your career or your past or old relationships can taint your marriage. One woman I used to pastor, she was frustrated over the, what she perceived as the loss of a dream career. She felt like her children had thwarted what, you know, she had imagined was her, you know, beautiful success in the industry. But the problem is this created constant strife with her husband. In her mind, she had lost something because of her children or her marriage. Listen, if you don't resolve those things, you're going to end up living in a hell on earth because these things are impossible to resolve. So... Suffice it, or let, let's simplify it by saying this, much present conflict is caused by unresolved past issues. Because often, many people don't resolve things, they only silence them. I talked about this in a previous Bible study series. Many people, they will argue an issue into silence, not into a solution. And then, of course, what happens is you end up fighting about old fights. There's some marriages that you're fighting. You don't even know what you're fighting about anymore. You're fighting about because the last time you were fighting, you didn't resolve, and that's what you're actually fighting about. The original fight was, you know, 1972, right? And you don't even remember what it was anymore, but it's just this old thing that has never been resolved. And then very practical. Listen, unresolved conflict has the power to destroy a marriage. 2 Samuel 6, 23. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. This signifies a broken marriage. Things were not working the way they should until death. Listen, I've been a pastor for a little while now, and I've observed most marriages that break are not broken by some major failure. It's not like there was this one dramatic event of violence or immorality or some crisis or shocking revelation. Most often, it's this steady accumulation of little issues that just never get resolved. And they just pile up and pile up until finally there's the one issue that kind of tips it over. And that's the one you blame, but that's not actually why the marriage failed. Hebrews 12, verse 14 and 15. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which, which, which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, 
Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Okay, this is a fascinating picture if you think about this. He says, pursue peace. In other words, resolve conflict. Because if you don't, the consequence is a root of bitterness. If you don't find a way to truly resolve conflict, you're going to leave a root of bitterness. Listen, roots are very hard to get out. And the way most people in their marriages deal with this is they deal with the fruit of bitterness. You have a conflict, you trim the branches, you pluck the petals off the flowers. In other words, you, you deal with some minor issues. Okay, honey, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't be like that. Tell you what, I'm going to be more attentive from now on. And the apology makes things kind of simmer down a little bit, but you never actually get at the root of the issue. And so it's enabled year after year to spring up and create new drama. It is very difficult to have a healthy and a successful marriage when you are poisoned by the root of bitterness. So let's talk then about conflict perspectives. Conflict perspectives, then hopefully we'll open for questions. Three very simple things I want to say, and much of this will be familiar because we did a whole series about resolving conflict. Number one, some things need to be resolved. Second Samuel 6, 23. Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. You know, it didn't have to be that way, right? They were still married, and they still lived a long time. It did not have to go that way. Why did they never work it through? Now, I understand we're looking at just a snapshot of a couple. We don't know all of the other details, but we know this. We know that these two people never worked it out. They never resolved it. And it does, I, I absolutely do not believe that's because it was impossible. I've heard people preach about this scripture and say, that's because she was, you know, unredeemable. And no, absolutely not. That's not the God of the Bible. This marriage could have been healed. But for whatever reason, these two people never worked it out. Listen, there are some conflicts in life, in your marriage, that they are so toxic, you must resolve them. You have to work it out. You cannot just uh, pretend this didn't happen. You can't just ignore it uh, and just say, oh, you know, boys will be boys, right? Or, hey, you know, it's, she's just like that sometimes. There are some things that have to be worked out. So very practical guidelines. Number one, things that cause ongoing hurt and violation. They must be resolved. Things that will affect your walk with God. They must be resolved. If you and your spouse have fundamental differences about key issues, they must be resolved. If you have a fundamental difference about how you raise your children, about money, about ministry, about anything that has to do with your walk with God or fundamental issues in the marriage that you don't see eye to eye on, you're going to have to find a way to resolve this. And then things that are having an outward effect must be resolved. If they are impacting your children, if they're having an impact on the church or your friends or your job, you must resolve these things. You can't just ignore them and pretend they're not there. You know, I often ask people, how are you doing? Uh, and they say, fine, and they're not fine. 
right? You, you can see people, right? As they pull into the church parking lot, right? Hand grenades, right? And then they go, okay, hi, how's it going? Good. Do you guys want to talk about anything? No, wonderful. You know, some things you might want to work towards resolving if they're causing major crisis. If there's something uh, that's causing an ongoing issue, listen, it's likely it's because of a root of bitterness in your life that needs to be resolved. Some of you in your marriage, it's like tiptoeing through a minefield. You have to be careful. Can I say this? Oh, wait, no, no, I can't. You know, you've got to work it out. Listen, that's not how marriage should be. My oldest son, Paul, he's very happily married to a lovely lady named Kaylin. But uh, he, before that, he dated a different girl. And, uh, you know, this went on for, you know, five or six months. I don't really remember. Finally, uh, they called it off. He moved on. When he started dating Kaylin, one of the things he said uh, to us, he says, you know what? It is so easy to be with her. We can talk, and it's just cool. There's no drama. And he said, I didn't realize how hard it was to talk to this other girl. Because everything, I mean, I'm telling you the, the truth, every single week I would get a call from her dad. And she was upset, and she's this, and he's always you know, buying her gifts to try to make her happy because he said something he wasn't aware was offensive. It was always some drama. You know, marriage isn't supposed to be like that. Some of you, that's how it is. It's because maybe there's some things you need to resolve. Okay, so there are some things that must be resolved. However, there are some things that need to be dismissed. They need to be let go of. You know, there are some conflicts in life that are unresolvable. You know that, right? They, they, they can't be fixed. It's impossible. So fighting about it is kind of silly. Right, that, that's, you know, like, you know, I, I, you guys know I am, by birth, I'm an American. Uh, the longer I live here, though, no, I'm, I'm not going to go there because this is all being recorded. I don't want to <laughs> say anything that <laughs> might be used against me at some point in a court of law. You know what's wrong with Americans? One of the things that's wrong with Americans is they really believe, God bless their hearts, they really believe that they can change everything. Right? We're going to fix politics. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to do it. It's, I mean, it's a different flavor in every country, but no, they believe it. Hey, you know, by golly, we've got guns. <laughs> we can fix it. You know what? Some things can't be fixed. You know that, right? And you know, that's, that is also true in a marriage. There are some conflicts that are unresolvable, and if you can't fix them, it's foolish to hold on to them. I have, I've dealt with people. You offended my mother and I'm mad at you. Okay, your mother is dead. I can't apologize to her. So now what? That is a conflict that is unresolvable. Let, let me share with you a personal story. I've, I've, I've shared this in a different way before, but there was a season in my life. Both of my parents are dead. They've both died quite young. There was a time when one of the things I really struggled with was the fact that my wife's parents were always around. And I don't mean always around like, like showing up, but just that she could talk to them and visit them. And, and that bothered me. 
you know that's wrong, right? That's weird. And there's people that, Pastor, how dare you? Listen, that's how the human heart works. I, I remember times when I'd be driving in the car and she would get to go, oh, hi, mom. And oh, it bothered me. But you know what? That can't be fixed. So you know what? It's time for me to put on my big boy britches and get over it. And there's some of you that the issue in your home, maybe you need to get over it. Because it's something that can't be resolved. So, very practical. Things that cannot be fixed, you must let go. That is, that is a command of a healthy marriage. If it can't be fixed, get over it. You must let it go. There are basic things in the personality, right? You walk too loud. And listen, if you don't understand that statement, it's because you've never been married, right? Why do you breathe like that? What am I doing? I don't know. Your nose is whistling. <laughs> there are some basic things in the human personality. I, you know what? I can't change that. Right? Hello? Are y'all chuckling? But some of you are going to have to hit the altar call this morning. <laughs> right? I've, I have counseled a marriage. This is the truth. Where the husband was in trouble. The wife was mad at him for what she had dreamed that he did. You know what, girlfriend? You need to stinking grow up. And the, re and the reality, you, you want me to go all psychoanalytical on you? If you dreamed it, it's because you were thinking about it. So maybe you're the one that needs to apologize. Sorry, that also is not in my notes. But <laughs> Listen, the point is this. If it can't be fixed... What use is there fighting about it? Just get over it. That, that's, that's, my, that's how I've taken uh, my view of politics. I can't fix it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get over it. I'm going to smile and love God. And you know what? <laughs> Who cares? Number two, things that don't really matter, you should let go. Maybe there's things that, yes, definitely, they could be fixed. But you know what? You could let go of it. Because it's not that important, right? I'm not saying that we don't or, or that we ignore problems. I'm not saying that we uh, uh, have to ignore everything. But listen, you don't have to make everything an issue. You don't have to fight over these little things, right? You know, there's the roll the roll of toilet tissue, right? When you put it on the little thing, does the flap go over or does it go behind? Listen, I know people that they fight about this. It must go over behind. Who cares? I mean, I, I gather that it matters to you, but it's not that big of a deal. And maybe you could demonstrate your maturity by just getting over it. Just let go of some things, right? So there are some things in life that, sure, they could be fixed, they could be resolved, but they're not that big of a deal. You could just let them go. And then there's some other things, especially relevant in a marriage, that maybe you can grow beyond them. You might be able to let them go. Listen, in marriage, it's easy for me to poke fun at these silly things, but, but let's be honest. We have some real issues. All of us do. Some, some real things we have to work out in our marriages. And we're working toward a resolution. But 
maybe there is a real issue in your life, in your marriage, and I'm not talking about a sin issue or something that's causing destruction, but you know, a mature approach to life sometimes is I can grow beyond this. Yes, you have hurt me, you have offended me, but you know what I could do? I can be bigger than that. I could just grow beyond that. And you know what? I don't have to choose to be offended at this thing. I'm going to be the bigger person to allow God to help you. In our marriage, I can safely say much of our happiness and much of the reasons that we've, uh, of the reason we've survived so long is because in the early days of our marriage, this is what Rachel did. I was very immature. I was very prideful. I was a very angry person. And when I look back on those days, Rachel had a million opportunities to uh, do terrible things to me, right? If, if she would have gotten caught for my murder, no one would have blamed her. They would all went shame, yeah. But you know what? She decided to be more mature than me and grow beyond that and not make everything this knockdown, drag out fight. She's been gracious with me, worked around uh, some of my flaws and gave me time to work them out with God. She wasn't trying to be God for me, right? Which is not in my notes, but maybe it should have been. That's what a lot of spouses try to do. You try to be God for your spouse. Well, and you need to do this and you need to be, why aren't you praying? Why aren't you reading your Bible? You know what? Let, let, let them have a relationship with God and work those things out. The third conflict perspective I want to give you is you must get God involved in the process. Genesis 30, verses 1 and 2. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld you from the fruit of the womb? Okay, so, uh, number one, you cannot ask your spouse to do for you what only God can do. This is a, a crucial truth in a happy marriage. You cannot expect your spouse to meet the needs that only God can meet. And, and I will, I'll go a little further. You will never be happy with your spouse until you are happy in your relationship with God, until you can settle that. Your walk with God is secure. You're always going to be uh, ill-content. In our scripture, that's what's happening. Rachel is saying, give me children or I'll die. In other words, I'm so mad I could die. And he, he was very clear. He says, you're not getting this. This isn't possible for me. God has to do this. In other words, he's telling her, dear, you better get a hold of God. If you want this resolved, you're going to have to work this out with God. Listen, your spouse cannot uh, uh, meet your emptiness or fill the emptiness, cannot meet your deepest spiritual needs. Your spouse can't be your savior. Your spouse can't be your healer. And you can't be that person for your spouse. You've got to be willing to get off that throne. So number one, you've got to settle it that you cannot ask your spouse to do what only God can do. But number two, you must actively get God involved in the conflict process. This is what Jacob did. He pointed her to God. He says, you need to talk to God. So number one, you must go to God personally. Ask him to help. 
to guide you, to give you wisdom. I have been praying for wisdom in my marriage for more than 23 years. Listen, that, that is a crucial issue. You must ask God to get involved. Number two, you must direct your spouse to God. You encourage them in their walk with God uh, to find uh, specific answers for that. Many times, Rachel will tell you, she'll talk to me and I will ask her, have you prayed about it? Have you talked to God about this? Because I know God's smarter than me. And so listen, we get a hold of God, we direct our spouse to God. And then third, you need to get God involved directly in your marriage and in the conflict. When is the last time you prayed with your spouse? Oh, Pastor Heimer. I'm serious. Right? You know, I'm not suggesting that you need to have some kind of ritual, uh, but there's times when this is crucial. There's times we have sat together, and there's been an issue, and we've decided we're going to pray. We pray together about this. God, we need your help. We don't know what the answer is. We don't know what to do now. We need you to get involved. All right, I want to stop there just for a moment. We'll move on and talk about conflict skills in a minute. But first, I want to open, see if there are any questions uh, first, just briefly before we move on. Any questions or comments so far? Daryl? So, somewhere, something you said in the beginning about a, 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 a woman with a strong will that she finds it difficult, that she, she possibly will find it difficult in a marriage. What kind of, um, I mean, what kind of uh, advice would you give somebody like that? Well, to clarify, I didn't say strong will, I said independent. So our day and age has taught women they need to be independent, uh, which is just patently unbiblical and unwise. Both men and women are created by God to depend on one another. So that, that's the key. Um, but, you know, as to the question, what advice, these are things we have to work out with God together. You know, we all have this independent streak in us. And so we had to work that out. There was times when Rachel would just say to me, honestly, listen, uh, we, we've got to work together on this. It can't be each of us doing our own thing. So well, these are things we work out. I know that's not very practical necessarily, but good. Okay, Natasha. Okay, Pastor, I just want to find out, um, what if one spouse feels like something can, um, perhaps you can just let it go? And the other one feels like it needs to be resolved. Well, you guys have to talk about this. And so if that's the case, you know, there are things uh, in, in my perspective, they don't seem like a very big deal. But because they matter to Rachel, they matter to me. That's by choice, right? They instinctively don't feel very, uh, you know, consequential to me, but I've made up my mind. If it matters to her, it matters to me. So that's something, that's a decision the spouse has to make. Yeah, very good. Good, what else? Uh, Sipo. Uh, so Pastor, I wanted to find out, in terms of if um, the, the other spouse, uh, something maybe it, it always irritates, um, uh, maybe it offends, but you don't see there's a 
Are you saying always the, irritates? Is that what you yes, said? And also okay. always offends, but I don't see it as a, a big deal. But it's always the, the issue, mm -hmm. maybe in the relationship. How do you uh, work around that? If anyone is doing something that always bothers their spouse, they should probably stop. So, like, like my answer to Natasha, even if it doesn't matter to me, if it matters to Rachel, I have made up my mind, then it matters to me, right? Every couple that's been married for a long time could probably tell you about little things, little changes they've made in their life. They don't seem like a big deal, but we do it because that's what our spouse wants. And so it doesn't matter if we see it as a big deal or not. And that's the point. I love her. I want her to be happy. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm trying not to find every button to push, right? Does that help? Yeah, good. Okay, Bongi? Um, Pastor, you said that sometimes, um, like couples, when they resolve conflict, it's like they take off, like they prune the plant and they don't really like get to the root of the problem. Yes. So it never really gets resolved. Um, so, but like, how do you, like sometimes how do you know what is the actual root of some of the issues? Because maybe it might be like childhood traumas or whatever, but like, how do you always know the root of okay, this is coming from this place. And right. Well, a lot of that takes time. And that's why, you know, I've said several times uh, in different contexts, a lot of people, they argue an issue to silence, not to resolution. Okay, we're done fighting about it, good, and then we count it done. And they, they never think about it again after that. So uh, I'm going to talk in a minute about some, some very basic conflict resolution skills. But um, uh, number one, it's helpful for us to think Right? I, I shared the story a few minutes ago about my irritation uh, when Rachel would talk to her parents. I had to stop and think about that. Why does this bother me? This doesn't make sense, right? So we have to be honest with ourselves. Think about these things, but most important, take it to God, right? The best questions we ever ask God are the, are the why and the how questions. God, why am I like this and how can I change? Because God wants to answer those. So he, he'll help you. It just takes time as you work through those things. Yeah, very good. Anything else before we move on? All right, now let's talk about one final uh, subject, conflict skills. Conflict skills. Uh, now, we did a whole series about resolving conflicts. So I'm not going to dive into all of those things, but I want to talk about some marriage uh, centric issues. Number one, you've got to learn how to disagree without fighting. Now, I know we might be splitting hairs, but I want to I want to make this clear. Listen, in a marriage, disagreement is normal and it's healthy. Okay, arguing is normal and can be healthy. Uh, even getting upset is normal. That that's fine. But fighting is not normal. Okay. Now, maybe we need to define that, right? If you are screaming and slamming doors and breaking things and swearing, that's not the biblical definition of marriage. Now, I've, 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 ever, you know, I've been around a little while, and I've heard the opposite. I've heard people, you know, well, listen, if you're not fighting, you're not really in love. Bullcrap. What, what on earth? What are you smoking? What? Is that what you do when you get to school? Hey, you! 
I love you. That's insanity. Right? Now, if you have a fight, that doesn't mean that you're not in love. It doesn't mean that your marriage is doomed. But you know, you maybe some of you have never heard this before. You can disagree without fighting with someone. There are people in this room right now, you disagree with me. And look, we're not fighting. See? It's, it doesn't have to get there. But listen, it takes maturity to keep it down where we can disagree without it turning into a major fight. Listen, Rachel and I have disagreements. That's fine. We will even have arguments. And there are times we both get emotional or upset or angry. But man, it has been a stinking long time. In fact, my memory is bad enough. You would have to ask Rachel uh, the last time. Uh, there's been anything that even closely resembles a fight, right? Because you can disagree. We can talk about things and, and you know what? Even not resolve it. We can disagree. No, but I really think that, you know, they've got better curry at whatever, whatever, right? Well, I don't. Fine. <laughs> and move on and it's okay. And we're still alive. We're still married and it's all right. The point is, and I don't, I don't mean to bring condemnation. It's not evil if you fight, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? It doesn't have to be that there's always this heavy emotional, uh, you, know, uh, you know, subtext to your marriage where it's always, it doesn't have to be like that. I call it learning to fight like a Christian, right? Because we are adults, we can both speak like adults. We can work these issues out without screaming, without breaking things. Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Think about what he's saying. He's saying, no problem if you're angry, but there's a limit. Right? Don't sin. Don't go there. He says there's a time limit. <laughs> Get over it. Right? You're still mad? Oh, well, stop being mad. Right? Don't you tell your kids that? If not, you should. That's some good parenting advice. Let me, let me help you out here. If your kid's crying about nothing, tell them stop crying. Or I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> See? Now, I'm, I'm so generous. I'm just dispensing. This isn't in my notes or anything, but free parenting tips. <laughs> uh, trust me, I've wanted to say that to other people's children before. Would you shut up? You're crying about nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, before, I, I love uh, the phrase, a proper hiding. It sounds kind of British, doesn't it? I want to give you a proper hiding. Uh, anyway, so fight like a Christian. That means if you're having a disagreement, we're going to have a disagreement about this. We're not going to bring up the past. We're going to talk about your mother Right, and all these things, we're going to talk about the issue at hand, we're going to work it through, and then if we can't find a resolution, which is entirely possible, that's fine, we can agree to stop talking about it now, but we're going to talk about it later, right? This doesn't happen often, but there's been times we've been talking, and either Rachel or I have had to say, you know what, we can't talk about this right now, we need to get ready for church, we got something going on, let's talk about this tomorrow. And because we're adults, we can take that, we can put it on the shelf, say, all right, we'll be back, and we can have a fine day, right? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. 
I can come back tomorrow and we can try to resolve this. So this is the point. You can uh, disagree without fighting. Number two, you must learn how to love after a conflict. You know, the deadliest part of a conflict is not always in the moment, but it's that icy chill after. That is what will do more to harm your marriage than any of the slamming doors ever will. Is you've argued and now, and you know, we see, listen, I always say I've got the best seat in the house. People walk in and they're, t- you know, they're in physical proximity, but man, it's cold. They walk in, people's glasses fog up. It's so cold, right? That icy chill. <sighs> yeah, I just, listen, that'll kill a marriage. I'm, I'm going to mess with your head right now. Is that okay? Yes, it's okay, of course. I'm going to do it anyway. First of all, the Bible challenges us to forgive regardless. Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And we could talk at length about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not just saying, okay, it's fine. I forgive you. There's something real there. But, you know, if you read the Bible, and here at the Potter's House, we strongly encourage that you do. There is actually an interesting biblical history of couples who uh, use sex as marriage therapy. Aren't you guys glad that it's Sunday school? I know there's still a few kids in here. Sorry, you can ask your parents later. But when there was heartbreak... When there was tragedy, you know what's wrong uh, with the modern world is that we've gotten this, uh, this weird view that, uh, that sex is only the result of a happy marriage. But that's incorrect. It is the source of a happy marriage in many cases. When uh, Isaac and Rebecca were married and his mother died, and it says, and he comforted uh, himself with Rebecca and she was with child. I don't know if I have to explain that to you. I have a feeling I don't, right? You have uh, David and Bathsheba. Their baby died. Can you imagine anything more tragic and heartbreaking? When the baby died, what happened? They went into their own rooms and they were sulking for six months. No. It says, and David comforted his wife Bathsheba and she bore a son Solomon. Right? There's something in this. If you fight... You better watch out for the icy chill. That's what's going to kill your marriage, not the fight. And so, uh, maybe you need to learn how to make up better. Is that, is that clear enough? Am I being all... <laughs> and then ultimately, finally, you must be able to learn from your conflict. Listen, if you're still fighting about the same things years down the road, you're not doing it right. You've got to learn how to resolve things and move on. Don't do the same things that create explosions and wonder how it happened. Right? My father-in-law, it's probably not original to him, but he would always say, you know, uh, some people live and learn and others just live. Don't be that person. All right, we've got just a couple of minutes for questions uh, or comments this morning before we break for morning service. If you've got a question or a comment, raise your hand so I can see it. Anyone at all? I see. Okay, Sipo. 
Pastor, I just wanted to find out in terms of if, uh, let's say, in the relationship, you you always seem to be the one that is um, resolving. Uh, the other spouse maybe say that they have resolved, but things keep on coming back. How do you work uh, around that? Uh, well, that's something that you need to discuss, right? So that's the beauty of marriage is you have unlimited time to talk about things. So if ever it feels that there's some kind of imbalance like that, you just talk about it. Because as in, as in all relationships, we all see from our own perspective, and it's different than the other person sees. And so we talk about it. We can see what they're seeing. I work it from that angle. So, but that's where I would start. Talk about it. For sure. Good. What else? Any other questions, comments this morning? Hey, Dorothy. Pastor, um, you earlier talked about um, independent women. So I just want to know, like, is it wrong to um, equip your daughter or let her equip herself? Not to, like, overpower maybe the spouse or whatever, mm. but for future instances that can happen. Is well, you're going to always have to come back to, uh, first, what does God want? And second, what do we do? Uh, what does it say to plan A when we're always working on plan B, right? So we live in a fallen and a broken world, and it's, and it's unfortunate, right? Terrible things happen. Terrible things happen to marriages, Right, I believe we should raise our children to have the capacity to fend for themselves. That's wise, right? just in, in all scenarios. But the danger is, and this is what I've had to pastor so much, is in broken homes and daughters coming out of broken homes, uh, not, not even intentionally, but they carry sometimes a residue of uh, bitterness and a residue of uh, distrust of men, right? And I have to say, many of them have a good reason for it, right? But if they're not able to properly file that uh, when they get married to a godly man, it's going to always hurt them. When you are trying, you know, I, I've, I've talked to many wives everywhere I've ever pastored, and they're like, well, but what if, but what if? Yeah, but, but you can't worry about what if right now, right? You're married to a godly man, but what if he's not, right? What if one day he's a sinner? You know what? If you live your whole life like that, uh, you're never going to have a happy marriage and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So that's, that's, a, that's a tough one uh, and it's not made any easier by the fact that our world is so broken. Does that help? All right, good question. Very good. We're going to break. Service begins in five minutes. <laughs>